Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Made for More podcast. Today I am joined by a wonderful heart-centered leader. It is Nicola Lipscomb. Nicola is a global speaker and facilitator who bridges science and spirit. She empowers leaders to transform themselves from the inside out. With degrees in pharmacy, higher education and applied positive psychology, her quest is now awakening and connection. Also a poet and a photographer, she absolutely adores nature, street art and op shopping too. I'm sure you're going to love uh, our discussion today with Nicola. It is uh, lovely to hear so, someone who is so focused on that connection and compassion and courage piece. We'll jump in shortly, but if you haven't yet, please jump on uh, wherever you do or wherever you listen to this podcast and if you can give us a review, it helps uh, It helps us share our message to other audiences as well. Let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to the Made For More podcast. I'll be sharing my experiences along with some actionable advice to take your leadership to the next level. Introducing your host, it's me, Ali Nitschke. I'm a leadership and courageous conversations expert, a Nutella lover, a mother of four young boys, a wife, and a dance floor junkie. I'm here to give you the motivation you need to level up, lead yourself, lead your team, and your business. Let's go. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Made for More podcast. I am incredibly excited to have a fellow Adelaidean joining me on the show today. Hello and welcome, Nicola. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ali. I am delighted. Delighted. I am delighted. (laughs) (laughs) We were just talking. We were just talking before I hit record. We're um, actually recording this during SA's, you know, first lockdown of 2021. So, pretty nice to see other people on on the line. Um, But before we get too far into today's uh, episode, Nicola, I would love if you could share with our listeners a little bit more about where you've come from and where you're going. Wonderful. I call myself a former pharmacist and a recovering academic, and I'd say now somewhat of a spiritual seeker, I guess has been the trajectory. So I actually started my life as a pharmacist a little bit by default. It wasn't, it wasn't my life dream, but that was the course that I got into after school, so I pursued that, and it served me very well for well over a decade, and I travelled with it. I was able to live and work in the UK for a couple of years using my pharmacy degree as as well. But then there was a sense of it wasn't fulfilling enough for me. But back then, I wasn't aware of living on purpose, living my values, what my character strengths were. I just had this rumbling sense that I just didn't quite feel right. So when I came back to Australia from the UK, it was like, well, what can I do? And all the advice around me said, you cannot throw away your pharmacy degree. So I didn't, you know, I was starting to look outside to go, what else could I do? What else was I sort of passionate about at school? What else could I do? 
and the, the circle around me, you know, brought me back in. Fortunately, unfortunately, I tend to think unfortunately more at the time to say you have to still use your degree. So I ended up in the pharmaceutical industry and ended up as a national training manager for two multinational pharmaceutical companies. And then I started to find my groove a little bit because that was in teaching, training, mentoring, coaching, doing um, training for the reps. So did that for a number of years, but that was corporate life in Sydney. And if anybody knows corporate life in Sydney, you're either made for it or you're not. I don't even know that anybody's actually made for it, but I was on a, a road to burnout. So we removed myself from that situation and sort of went adrift a bit again and then thought, you know, what else, what else? And for some reason I thought academia. I thought I'm going to be a lecturer. <laughs> so it took me about 18 months to talk to people and find an opportunity and I was approached through my network to say there's a new pharmacy school. I was living on the Gold Coast at the time and they had this six-week project. We had students going out on placements with no program for them. Could you design a program for the students, for the pharmacists, which were called preceptors? And I just did the, yes, of course I can, and then go home and go, holy hell, what does that mean? How do I do that? <laughs> Figured it out, went well. So ended up becoming a lecturer over a number of years, started, you know, doing contract work and eventually got a, 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 a full-time permanent academic position, amazing. which was amazing at the time. And over time it started to suck the soul out of me, that particular role. You know, there's a lot of good things about uh, being an, an academic and there was a lot of pressures. And because I came in through the side door, I was a professional. There's a real hierarchy between uh, those that have got PhDs and an academic research profile and those of us that don't. Mm -hmm. So... There was a definite us and them and it got to the point where I had reached as far as I was going to be able to, to be promoted to and have influence without getting a PhD, having a, a research track. And mm -hmm. I loved the teaching. Yep. That was my area and my area within teaching had niched it down to communication. Ah, I was so, going to say, what did you end up lecturing and teaching on? But yeah. it was communication. It was communication and underpinning that was listening. So, yeah. oh. so was that communication, sorry, uh, was that communication for pharmacists or communication more broadly? It was a communication course designed for pharmacy students mm -hmm. when they became pharmacists. Wow. So it was health-based communication, mm -hmm. patient-centred care approach, yeah. active listening approaches, but I managed to sneak in some reflective practice, mindfulness as well to introduce the students because I had that point had started on a mindfulness journey mm -hmm. and to be able to regulate yourself 
and be yeah. present, you know, for two, two things. To be able to regulate yourself so if you get triggered by a patient or a situation and you need to function, you need a tool which is going to calm you back down, which mindfulness can do, mm-hmm. and also to be present with patients. They weren't listening. You know, yeah. they were appalling listeners and fundamental to that is presence. You have to be in the room, but in the room up here, here and in your body, you know? Yeah. Yep. So mind, mind, heart and and soul. Yeah. 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 And then around 2013-14, I decided that this was not where I wanted to be. I was feeling more and more pressure to follow a particular path, which I just knew was not going to be right for me. Mm. So I ended up um, quitting which everybody thought was nuts. It's like you've got a permanent <laughs> academic position. You know, there was lecturers in my school that that was all they wanted. Yeah. And I'm going, mm, no, this isn't for me. Yeah. So I quit. And you had to give six months notice. You had to give a semester notice. Wow, so that's a lot, isn't it? Stick it out. About forward planning. <laughs> six months. <laughs> yeah. And then I did some travel. And landed back in Adelaide to visit mm-hmm. with no intention of staying. It was just a stopping off point. <laughs> that was 2014. So, so how many countries did you end up travelling to? In that one, I, it was in Southeast Asia. Yes. So not many. Yep. I have travelled. I've lived overseas and travelled and done a whole lot of intrepid travel adventure tours when I was sort of in my 40s actually. Right. I did so, been to places like Borneo and Morocco and Peru and Bolivia. Amazing. So as well as Europe and, yeah, so I've travelled a lot. Yeah. And as a sideline, very grateful that I had that opportunity when I did. Yeah. You look at the way, you know, the world's changed now. Yeah, how you're your feet going. Yeah. But I ended up back in Adelaide and with a, another <laughs> existential crisis of who am I and what am I going to do now? Yep. And was looking at career changes or life changes and yep. I guess in a, a more sort of conservative way when you're looking for a career change, I was also looking for a life change at that time, I put career change and life change together. And I applied for and got accepted into a master's in applied positive psychology. Ah, so so you carried on with the study. So I carried on with study, but Mm. in a completely different path and launched a business at the same time. At the same time. I didn't realise you did it at the same time. Yeah. Ah, Well, you may as well go hard or go home, hey? Well, <laughs> hindsight is a wonderful thing. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit now around your business. So what do you focus on mostly? Um, I know you work mostly with organisations and their leaders, but what's your, I know we've, we did talk about this before I hit record, but what's your main focus and what are you hoping to be able to impart with the people that you work with? I think to distill it down, it's teaching leaders to lead from the inside out Oh, love it. Yeah. So it's 
heart-wise is what I call it, heart-wise leadership. Yeah. So being able to access the wisdom of the heart, which oh. includes the, the intuition and insight that we get mm-hmm. from our, our heart and an embodied way of being and living, as yeah. well as the heart-based qualities, you know, living with courage, showing up with compassion, yep. the qualities of care, you know, the C's. Mm-hmm. They seem to all be C's. Yeah, they Connection, are. collaboration, co-creation. Yeah. So it is very much about leading with the heart, mm-hmm. connecting with the heart mm-hmm. and having a heart-based approach, whereas leadership traditionally is very cognitive and head-based mm-hmm. and we don't want to dismiss that. Strategies yeah. needed, but we need a complete flip and a paradigm shift in the way that we're dealing with people and the planet. We need to care more. We need we need to love more, honestly. You know, yeah. Yeah. That's what it fundamentally comes down to and it comes from turning inwards and becoming self-aware and really looking at your inner landscape and how you show up in the world for yourself first and foremost and then for others and it kind of ripples out from that. So yeah. that's kind of the, that's my philosophy, I guess. Yeah. How does it actually show up in practice in organisations mm-hmm. is I have leadership programs. One is HeartWise Leadership. I've got a balance program, which is being fit for leadership and fit for life, which is very much around well-being, self-care, mindfulness. I run programs on emotional intelligence and programs on presence, presence and powerful listening, presence and powerful speaking. Ah, lovely. So for some of our listeners who are listening today and they're wondering, you know, what is HeartWise or what does that, you know, look like? You said you need strategy and it's lovely to practice mindfulness, but in terms of actually leading leading people or leading an organisation, how does HeartWise fit into that or it's behaving in a HeartWise way? Behaving in a HeartWise way, if you think about it as tapping into the emotional intelligence field Mm -hmm. so instead of just using your IQ you're using your EQ Mm -hmm. so from a heart-based perspective we really are being present with people it's how you listen to people so there's strategies on it's very different if you listen from a head or a heart Mm -hmm. base to people on how you connect and the information that you receive as well. So there'll be a lot around listening. There's a lot around mindfulness and presence. What does that mean? What does it mean to be present? Mm. And a lot around emotions and connection. As human beings, we're wired for connection. So a heart-wise leader understands and puts truly puts people first and works to connect with their team and value them for who they are as people, not for their role and what they can do so that they really create that safe space and sense of belonging for their teams. Mm. Mm. I think that now more than ever that's really prevalent, certainly in the last 12 months, that connection 
and, you know, just checking in with your team to see how they're going, not just like how's your project going or how's your workflow going, but how are you actually going, what's been happening for you. And I, I've certainly noticed a shift in the last probably 18 months um, that's happened with a lot of the people that I work with. And I think it's awesome. Like it's, I think it's probably just accelerated the rate that we need to be more compassionate and we need to be more caring and we need to be more courageous um, to be able to lean into those difficult situations. You mentioned my... Yeah. And authenticity is, you know, I'm a big fan of Brene Brown's and yes. the power of vulnerability and braving the wilderness. So I think the the leaders that we need are those that will brave the wilderness. Yeah. Yeah. And perhaps even take a different path. Yeah. Yeah. And we need that. And there's people out there. And I yeah. and I actually love her analogy of you have to be brave enough to be true to yourself, to be alone and wander into the forest and all the dark. Yeah. And then when you're there, you suddenly realise, oh, my God, there's there's others here. This is yeah. where my tribe is. But it takes a real act of courage to do that. Yeah. And we need that in leaders. We need leaders to show up as themselves as well and really start carving a whole new way forward, not necessarily subscribing to any one model per se. Yep. I mean, I've got a title heart-wise because people like things to hang, yep. hang on. Yep, yeah. But it really is about shifting the way of being and showing up is fundamentally what it's about. Yeah, I love that. Um, you mentioned about mindfulness as well, and I think mindfulness is one of those things that's been around for you know, since the beginning Centuries. of time, but it's getting a lot more, I guess, mainstream these days as well. You know, you can pick up a mindfulness journal pretty much anywhere. Do you remember, um, you mentioned how you started getting into mindfulness and that's when your journey started. Do you remember that first moment that sparks your interest in mindfulness? It came with yoga. Ah, tell me more about that. Having, and I, I don't actually practice yoga, However, I have at times done various yoga retreats and, and courses and, you know, done it for a year or two, and it was the incorporation of doing meditations in that, which was my first kind of gateway to, to see where it was, is it Shavasana, when you're on the floor? Yeah, that's my um, favourite, when you're just laying flat. Yeah. When you're just laying flat and having yeah. a yoga teacher really doing a guided meditation and yeah. feeling into the body and the breath work. And so, yeah, and I then I was on the Gold Coast. Then I actually uh, went looking. I went looking for Buddhist ah, you know, cool. and, and what was being offered and started to go to some half-day, you know, introduction to meditation and mindfulness and yeah. It's just continued. And I've, you know, before shutdown, I was um, with a friend. We, we went to regularly to Buddha House here on, and we'd do mindfulness meditations on a Monday night in the oh, group. Oh, lovely. So, so is that something that you practice daily now? I do. Yeah. I don't have a formal practice that I do every single day. So mm -hmm. I'm not regimented in my practice mm -hmm. as, as a formal practice. Uh, sometimes I do. Um, yesterday I did a 15-minute meditation, which was a very formal seated 
practice. Yeah. I probably fall into the camp of really wanting to lead a present mindful life. Mm -hmm. So it's constantly coming back to am I in my head or am I actually experiencing what I'm experiencing Mm -hmm. in the moment and being with it and noticing my thoughts, noticing when I'm getting caught in my thoughts, to come yeah. out of them, to come back to presence. Um, I'd be doing, I'm doing this internally, constantly with you. I'll be, I'm in an interview. Has my mind hooked somewhere else? No. No, it's, if it does, it's it's that, oh, I'm starting to worry or think about yep. what is Ali thinking of me? Did I answer that question well <laughs> enough? You, you, know, you become aware of the internal dialogue and go mindfulness is awareness. No, come back. Yeah. Come back to the body, come back to the present moment. And I do that constantly. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a, it is a practice, isn't it? So you don't ever just, you know, one and done and uh, all of a sudden you're a master. It's one of those continual things that you continually, you know, trying to get back to centre. Yeah. Come back to the centre. And, of course, there's little tools and techniques that help. And I have little rituals that I have in my, my day. Yeah. So drinking water. I drink mindfully. If I've got water in a glass, it's a cue for me. Ah. So I will drink it mindfully. I I don't just gulp it down without noticing. It's I actually take the time. Cups of tea are like that. Yep. Um, cleaning my teeth is a mindfulness activity. You know, you you ah. certain things that you do, and it's training your brain and attention yep. to do that. I um I do that with cups of tea as well as my you know self care make sure that I have a hot cup of tea and I savor it and it doesn't need to get microwaved and it's my five minutes of alone time where it's yeah. just me and my tea and it's lovely. It is. Do you have a favourite flavour? Uh yes, I love peppermint tea. A bit you know a bit vanilla, but um yeah, love me a peppermint tea. <laughs> yes, I've got a nice peppermint tea at the moment. Yeah, I like the blends as well. I What's your favourite? I think it's called the, oh, I'm not going to pronounce this, Puka or Pucker brand. Oh, yes. Yep. And I, at the moment I'm alternating between Renew and Cleanse. Oh, sounds like a good combination. So fennel and cardamom and peppermint and that sort of kind of combinations. Delicious. Mm, they are. Um, so I've, I've noticed on your LinkedIn you do a Friday's Mindful Moments. How did that come to be? <sighs> That's my favorite sort of passion project which has grown the the mindful moments it started in march 2020 all right so when all good things started i think when all good things started and everybody was and the word the huge word at the time was we have to pivot Mm. we have to pivot our business online and we have to pivot and we have to start reaching out to everybody and letting everybody know, because we're in the training, I'm in the training speaking business now with my businesses, it's what I do. Yeah. Everybody is saying, you have to contact every single one of your clients and you have to have a discussion with them about how you're going to get your programs into their organization online. And it just, it just felt icky. It, it did not sit with me well. It felt very disingenuous. Mm-hmm. And so... 
I was sitting back thinking, but I want to be doing something to help. But what what would I genuinely want to do? I don't want to be doing something so that I can be seen to be doing something or seen to be offering benefit, which is what I felt some people had fallen into that kind mm-hmm. of trap. They're only mm-hmm. doing it so that they can be seen to be doing it. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to come from the heart, you know, what did I, I want? And I love taking photographs. I love quotes and poetry. So I kind of put the two together and I only started with a couple of friends. I said, hey, I sent a, a little mindful moment message to a couple of people saying, hey, you know, I hope everything's okay. You know, take a couple of breaths. This too shall pass kind of hopeful message and said, would you like something like this? I'm thinking I've got this idea. Would it be helpful if you just got a couple of little messages, you know, yep. during the week? And they said, yes. Yep. When, and it grew from there. Just it started with friends to go, hey, I'm doing this. And if I was chatting to somebody and people are talking about what have you done today? And I said, well, I've just done this and I've sent it out to six people. Did you want to join the list? Yeah. Then somebody said you should put it on LinkedIn and I went, oh, that's that's. I'm just doing this because I want to. Yeah. Then I put it on LinkedIn and, you know, it has grown. And what happens now is when I'm in organisations and mm-hmm. we, as part of all my, nearly all my workshops, I will invite people, I explain what it is, and I say it's it's a mindful moment campaign with images of street art, nature, it's bringing you into the moment, but I said it's quite poetic, it's spiritually based or spiritually aligned, if that's, if you're okay with that, and get their phone numbers, and it's just, just growing, so. Ah, fantastic. And, and I love, I love doing it, and get the little comments back from people that's, it seems to hit the mark for people. Yeah. So it's so, one of my contributions to the world. It's a lovely, a lovely com- contribution. I love the idea of a mindful moment campaign. So if people do want to join your campaign, can they just find you on LinkedIn? They can find me on LinkedIn. If they're in Australia, mm-hmm. that's okay. At the moment, I can still do it all through my iPhone. Yep. And I'm at the moment looking at how I can ex- expand that because I, I didn't do it with any intention mm-hmm. other than I just want to help the people around me. And now it's got to a point where I have to start thinking about how I might be able to, um, what's the word? Scale. That's the word. (laughs) How I can, and scale it. But it's, I want it, it still has to be personalised. That's the whole, the whole point is that human connection and letting people know. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So what would be your top your top tips for any of the our listeners or leaders that are looking to be a little bit more heart-wise? I think presence is one of them. You mm-hmm. you have to cultivate that personal presence mm-hmm. and it does it's a lifelong journey really. Every time you think, you know, I've I've kind of got this nailed and I'm I'm fully here. Yeah. The next year comes along and you you just continue to practice and practice and you go, hmm, I wasn't there, but I'm there now. 
And the next year comes along and you go, hmm, you know, there, there's an on, there's layers and levels and levels that you can become just so much more totally in the moment. And if anybody has had any exposure to somebody like the Dalai Lama, his presence is phenomenal. You can just, you can feel the energy of his, yeah. his presence. It's so powerful. The more present we are as a leader, that which is grounded, centered in your body, not distracted. You know, your thoughts are as much as possible aligned with whatever is going on in the moment, the greater the connection, the greater the sense of relational trust, the greater the loyalty and influence you have. It really is a powerful skill, I think, for mm. leaders. Mm. And I think then it's, trusting the heart. So yeah. that intuition. And if you, if you read people like Oprah Winfrey or Richard Branson, um, they will uh, attest to intuition being a huge part of their success. Yeah. You know, that that's, that's one of their guiding principles that they will actually stop and take the time and not just strategize, but actually fall back and think, about when well, it's not thinking actually it's it's feeling into what is the right decision here or where where can I go mm. so being able to actually acknowledge that intuition is powerful it's valid it's been you know scientifically validated these days mm-hmm. and to be able to cultivate that to, to trust your own path mm-hmm. with with that yeah. Then a, a third one which connects with both of those is the power of listening, mm. truly, truly holding space. And you, when we we're chatting before, you said you, you know, know of Oscar Trimboli and Deep Yes, Mr. yes. Um, Tracy Rubel runs Sidewalk Talk in the United States, oh. doing amazing stuff with listening as well. And Jane Adsthead Grant in the UK is doing amazing stuff with listening to create spaces for people to think. And that's... Like physical spaces? Um, no, well, I think they're in lockdown at the moment, so I think it's all online. But oh. list, there are different levels of listening and different types of listening. So I talk about powerful listening which is yep. a very heart-based listening to build connection mm-hmm. oscar talks about deep listening the mm-hmm. deep level of listening a whole body listening jane talks about generative listening which is a they're all interconnected and very similar generative mm-hmm. listening is creating the space so people can think themselves ah, i haven't heard of that before i love it i have to research jane yeah. I'll send you the, I'll send you a um, invite link on LinkedIn yeah. with her as. Oh, that'd be great. Um, we'll um, and we'll put the links to uh, what you're talking about there in the show notes as well. Yeah, but powerful listening is a, it's actually based on the Chinese character Ting, which Ting. is the Chinese character for listening, and it translates loosely as I give you my ears, my eyes my undivided attention and my heart. Oh, wow. That's lovely. 
So it really is, we need the ears to under, understand words, vocalics, tone, nonverbals, we're looking, but it's also about, you know, seeing and looking. Are you really seeing that person in front of you? Mm-hmm. And then the presence, the attention and the heart is that deeper level of actually dropping down into the heart space or using, you can, you, you know, you've got a heart space, there's a brain in your heart, we have a cardiac brain. Mm-hmm. So I don't care if you want to think about it as I'm intellectually dropping down to another brain or on that spiritual level of opening up the heart chakra and the heart space. Right. We actually can listen very differently from that space. And that is where you get that true resonance that occurs with people where you start to really sync up with people and you it can occur with people that you know really, really well. But have you ever had that experience back in the day when we could, say, be on a plane where you're sitting next to somebody and for some reason you just have this amazing conversation and you feel like you've known them your whole life? Yeah. There is, you've both probably unconsciously just been totally present and in that embodied heart space to make that connection. Oh, that's lovely. I have to think about that next time I uh, uh, meet someone where I'm like, oh, I feel like we've known each other for ages. Well, thank you so much uh, for your time today, Nicola. It's been amazing chatting with you. I'll pop all the links to um, how people can get in contact with you in today's show notes. I hope you have a beautiful day and thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been delightful. (laughs) Thanks, (laughs) Ali. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you enjoyed this episode on the Made For More podcast, please make sure you subscribe to receive future episodes. And of course, five-star reviews are always welcome on the Apple podcast. If you'd like a copy of the show notes or any of the links mentioned today, check out madeformore.com.au forward slash podcast. And of course, if we aren't connected already, you can find me in all the usual places. Ali Nitschke on LinkedIn, Ali.MadeForMore on Facebook and Instagram. I hope you have an awesome week and I'll catch you again soon. Bye-bye.